from the Tibetan teacher Nosho Kin Rinpoche, homage to mindfulness. Look here, friends. I am the reminder of mindfulness. Be mindful when you see me. Let your mind be unmoved. And look into itself. I am the mirror of mindfulness, clearly showing you mindful attention. Be mindful. It is the essence of the Dharma. Be mindful. It is the main part of practice. Be mindful. It's the stronghold of the mind. Be mindful. It helps natural, wakeful knowing. Unmindful, one becomes lazy. Unmindful, all faults pour forth. Mind, mindlessness fulfills no purpose. Mindlessness is like a heap of dung. Mindlessness is like floating on a lake of urine. Mindlessness is like a heartless corpse. Please, my friends, be mindful. I can't read the rest. <laughs> I think you get the message. I guess tonight I wanted to talk about the miracle of mindfulness. It is, as most of you know, it is the, one of the most popular words these days. Everyone is using it for their life, for their happiness, but using it for commercial purposes, using it in every, every which way. And it is an amazing tool that, fortunately, everyone has. It's a great equalizer in that it, it spans all races, classes, heights, weights, all different kinds of education, everyone can be mindful. It is a universal, everyone has equal access to mindfulness. It's not a privileged quality. It is embedded in the hearts and minds of each person. I find that very significant, that it, that it is completely non-hierarchical. It is powerful, and there is, in this world, there is such an unequal distribution of power and access, but there is an equal access to the power of mindfulness, the power of attention, the power to, in spite of whatever the condition of our life, we can find the richness, the riches that come from practicing mindfulness. It is the 
expression of your natural state of awareness. See, we, awareness is a given for each of us. But when we, when we apply that just ever-present wakefulness to each other, to an activity, to our job, to the meditation, it can turn into something that increases our clarity, increases our efficiency, increases our intimacy. It is, in the moment that we're mindful, it is an end in itself. To me, this moment where I, that I am mindful of being in this room with you, and perhaps you being mindful of being in this room with me, we have already arrived in this very instant at the mountaintop, the highest, the highest peak of reality. We have stepped out of delusion. We've stepped out of the, of the virtual world of our imagination into a direct experience of the, especially if we actually have a moment of mindfulness, a direct experience of the vividness of life, the miracle of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, feeling, and even the miracle of thinking when we're mindful of it. When we are mindful, we don't have to stop doing anything. We don't have to correct ourselves. We don't have to become different than we are. We don't have to be better than or less than or equal to. We don't have to prove ourselves, justify ourselves. Nothing is missing. Everything is given. So it is in itself the, I always say it's the beginning of our practice. And it's the path of our practice. And it's the end of our practice. So it's an end in itself. But it is also, in terms of a, a gradual process, it is the, it, when this mindful attention, this aspect of awareness that, that rests in a state of being lucidly aware, which means clear awareness with clear comprehension of what it is that's happening. That when one practices this, not just recognizes the, the highest mountain peak for a moment, reaches the pinnacle of a moment of mindfulness, but when that pinnacle, when that moment of aliveness, of vividness, the moment when you're not looking back and you're not looking ahead, and you're right with whatever is entering one of your different doors of perception, whether you're seeing something, hearing something, smelling something, tasting something, feeling something, thinking or feeling about something, if you have that feeling and you practice it continuously, each arising experience, not just, not just 
once in a blue moon, not just on Tuesday night. Even though it's an end in itself, when you practice it continuously, it has the power, it has the potential to transform your life, transform your reality, to destroy the illusions that you usually live by, to, to completely eradicate your tendency to want to be somewhere else. <laughs> to me, that's a big deal. I'm, uh, I'm sharing my privilege in saying that when I was, when I was in my early 20s, I was lucky enough to go visit a cousin who was living in Central America, in Costa Rica. And when I went to visit him, I realized one day, I think I was 22, but one day I was lying in a hammock in a little, one of these little corrugated aluminum coffee shacks. He had a little coffee farm. So I was in a hammock, lying back in this coffee shack overlooking the, the, the coffee, what do you, you don't call it a grove, you call it a, but a field, a field of coffee. And I had an, an intuition or a, a kind of revelation and it may seem so simple, but I realized that it was the first moment in my life where I didn't want to be somewhere else. And it was shocking. I, didn't, I did not realize up to that moment that I had been in a constant trance and obsession with getting on to the next thing, with what's next. And I realized I don't think I'd ever experienced anything because I was always busy looking ahead, driven by a kind of restlessness, a kind of disembodied sense of either excitement or pleasure associated with what was yet to come or worry or, you know, remembering something that happened before. But I just missed being right where I was. So it, it seems so simple, but it was profound for me. At that, after that time, I didn't want to miss it anymore. I did not want to, I didn't want to miss my life. I realized I'd missed the, up to that point, I had missed it. And I realized my, uh, these moments there of being alive are so, Precious. They are so, and so easily missed. So easily. Of course, I stu over the years studying and practicing mindfulness. The power of mindfulness allowed me, and allows anyone who practices, it's not exclusive to me, it's, again, it's a, not a privileged state, it's a, 
it's a, a quality that anybody can, can strengthen. But in the strengthening of it, I was able to see, one is able to see, how quickly, how quickly our mind reacts to sense experience. How quickly we react with liking and disliking. How quickly liking and disliking leads to wanting or not wanting. And how quickly wanting and not wanting leads to us into this kind of imaginary world where the whole sense of our happiness depends on being, getting somewhere else. And all of it happens very quickly. But the beauty of mindfulness is you begin to see that as just habit of mind rather than incarnating in that little dreamscape. Instead of being lost in it and missing your life, you notice, oh, there's my mind jumping ahead. And that very tendency of mind that before there was mindfulness present, before there was clear comprehension of what was happening, I would just be carried along. That same habit of mind becomes the reminder, becomes the wake-up to exactly where I am, the reminder of, as I always say, my love of being right, right here. So I can either be involved in the bondage of being lost, of being just carried along by the, by the sea of habitual circumstances or habits of mind, or I can wake up out of that and have the creative freedom to, to decide where I want to go, what I want to do, how I want to be. As long as I'm carried along by that stream of habit, I am completely at the mercy of a world, a sea of causes and conditions. I'm totally at the mercy of what I have practiced in the past, what I have learned in the past, what people have told me. I'm, I have no sense of agency. I have no sense of choice. But when I wake up, right now, this instant, if there is clear comprehension of what's happening, It is completely open right now. This instant, everything that has ever happened to you converges here, but everything that, has happened, that will happen depends on what, what it is I do at this moment. I can't help having been brought to this instant. I can't help what visits my mind from my past habit. But right now I can plant the seed of what... I would like to see happen in my life. How many things can do that? Give you a, an immediate sense of freedom. And this is something you have that's nearer than your breath. This capacity to be, to wake up to where you are and be mindful. This, not only can it wake you up out of the the, the being completely at the effect of your past actions and your past habits and wake you up out of just being 
wandering endlessly in a trance. But it can also wake you up out of the version, I talk about this every week, the version of yourself that plays in your mind that you often mistaken, you mistake for who you actually are. It allows you to see one moment of mindfulness when you wake up to where you are. Life is incredibly simple. Your life in real time is so simple. You are so simple. You are pure consciousness itself. You are a heart throbbing, feeling, thinking, eating, grunting being that is miraculous. Human being. You are not just a human doing machine, which is often the narrative. You know, I often read that from Amy Krauss Rosenthal, she says, how have you been? Good, busy. How's your week? Good, busy. You name the question, busy is the answer. I, I know we're all terribly busy doing terribly important things. She says, most often that's our knee-jerk response. Has the people always been this busy? Were cavemen this busy too? Got 10 caves to draw on. Can I meet you by the fire next week? <laughs> she says it's all about coffee. Coffee bars. And coffee's luscious byproduct, productivity. <laughs> the joy of doing, cro accomplishing, crossing off. But then she... <laughs> She cuts through the whole thing. She says, as kids, our stock answer to every question was, how was, how was school, or what did you learn at school today, or how you, what's going on? She said, nothing. <laughs> she says, I think, I'm starting to think that like youth, the word nothing's wasted on the young. <laughs> and we need to reintroduce it into our grown-up vernacular. When you are mindful, you return to nothing. You return to that simple reality that could never, this reality right here, sitting in this room, could never be captured by that narrative that plays in your mind. As I've been talking the last weeks, as beautiful and as interesting as that narrative is about you and how it was shaped by all of your life circumstances and traumas and, and habits, and it's amazing. Even that narrative, when we can notice it, another amazing thing. But when we're carried along by it, we fall into a case of mistaken identity. Your true identity is in openness, is in full awareness. You are, as Kala Rinpoche says, you are the Buddha. That doesn't mean you're the historical Buddha. Buddha means awake. You know, if you don't, if after your last thought's gone about yourself and the, before the next one arises, what can you really say about yourself in real time? Other than I'm awake. I'm aware. You can't even say 
without consulting your memory. You can't say you're a man, a woman. You can't say you're even, you can't say you're ethnic, racial, heritage. All of that is based on memory. What you say in real time is, I'm here, I'm awake. And I cannot, I've never been able to find evidence for all those terrible things about myself that I can think, ways that I can punish myself. I can't find anything wrong in real time with me. But yet that narrative is saying there's something wrong. Something wrong with me. And some other time I'm going to be okay. And then... You know, of course, that's already a reaction to some unpleasantness that may have showed up, and pretty soon we were living in that, in that little dreamscape of being somebody who's not good enough, or not smart enough, not rich enough, not accomplished enough, measuring all the time, measure, 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 measure. That one does not exist, that measurable you, and mindfulness just wakes you up out of it. Where's that terrible, unsatisfied, not enough person in real time? Are you willing, are you interested in being free of that torment of somebody, of the somebody who's who's not okay. You, the freedom from that torment is literally a split second away. It's a moment of mindfulness away. So mindfulness, if you practice that over and over, it, your heart will just go You will be, you will know, just like James Audubon said, he said, if there's a difference, again, I, sometimes I repeat things over and over, but I can't help it because it, it just captures it. He says, if there's a difference between the bird and what the field guidebook says, believe the bird. You will know yourself as you are, not as you imagine yourself to be. And you will trust that. And you will feel the freedom of it. You'll feel the lucidity of it, the, the clarity of it the responsiveness of it, the intelligence of it. Because when we are stripped away of our preoccupations and our ideas, we're, we're literally luminous, brightly shining. And we, and, and we, all the qualities that are potentially, you know, the best human qualities flow really well. That's the other thing about mindfulness. As a power, as a, key, as, a as a keen observing power, when it connects, it leads to, if you keep doing it, it leads to affection, to love. Attention brings affection. I know that there's not one person here in this room, that if I 
let my mindful attention meet your eyes or meet your person or just be with you for a moment. If I connect with you and I sustain that connection, which is two of the aspects of mindful attention, it's we connect and we sustain. So mindfulness is not superficial. It's not just glancing at somebody or something. Even the dishes when we're washing them. If you wash the dishes with a continuity of awareness, connect and sustain, you will fall in love with washing dishes. But if with a person, if they'll allow you to, if you connect and sustain, you will, as I do every day, you'll fall in love. And not in the romantic sense, of course, but in the sense of, wow, like every person I'm looking at now, I'm going, wow, wow. Because there's something that, about continuity of attention that makes our, somehow it, the effect of that is it makes our hearts quiver. It makes you feel like you're, like you're not alone anymore. You're connected. So attention brings affection. Can be a simple activity, or it can be people. I've often called this the, the love muscle. <laughs> just connect. Now, if I'm just sleepwalking, where's, where am I going to love? Where am I going to find love? Just that deep longing, that longing in us to connect that, that Hafez talks about. Admit something, he says. Isn't it true that you're saying to them, every, everyone that you meet, love me, love me? He says, you don't say this out loud, otherwise someone would call the cops. This longing in us to connect. But then he says, why don't you become the one with the full moon in each eye, giving every other person or something, every other longing person, what they're longing to hear or see. And it's simply, it's so accessible to be the one with the full moon in your eyes. It's not even grandiose, it's just being mindful. It's just, it's just having, being in a state of lucid awareness with clear comprehension that you're with somebody and that you're interested. And in fact, that kind of attention, if you gather your attention and sustain that with somebody, interest comes. Somebody doesn't have to be interesting. You have to be interested. And interest comes from attention. You know that Fritz Perls, the founder of, of uh, Gestalt therapy, kind of famous in the psychology world, he said boredom comes from lack of attention. But what do we do when we get bored? We don't pay closer attention. We just find another distraction. And then we, then we don't even know how to be simple, how to be present, how to be in an environment that is not, that's not excessively stimulating. But then when you find the simple, simple look into somebody's eyes or just simple mindful attention to what you're doing, it comes alive. I don't want to be anywhere else. 
This is not what you hear on TV. <laughs> TV says, you've got to travel to far off places to be satisfied. You've got to get the next best electronic device. You've got to whatever. You don't have to. Just be mindful. What did he say? He said, lack of mindfulness fulfills no purpose. Lack of mindfulness is like a heap of dung. Mindlessness is like floating on a, on a lake of urine. Mindfulness is a heartless corpse. Friends, please be mindful. <laughs> so last but not least, the potential of, even though mindfulness is an end in itself, in any moment that you wake up to where you are, it's a moment of what we would call cessation. A moment of attention is a moment of the cessation of greed in the mind, wanting what you don't have, aversion in the mind, not wanting what you do have, and delusion in the mind, confusion, being lost, being unaware. So it erases, literally every moment is an erasing or a cessation of the three common tendencies of mind that lead us into into this endless wandering, endless states of confusion. Endless waiting for the future that never arrives. Endless missing of our lives. It literally erases that conditioning and delivers us any moment into a state of what, what's sometimes called non-clinging, non-grasping. And it, it frees us from the delusion of the imagined version of ourselves. Mistaking the field guide book for the bird. Every moment. So if we could appreciate that, we, pro we, wouldn't, we would try to be as continuously mindful with each arising experience as we could. Because no one wants to live in delusion. No one wants to be in a constant state of hunger and dissatisfaction, or a constant state of irritation and anger and ill will. Does anybody want to do that? Yet we habitually, when we're unmindful, we just keep practicing these things. Railing against everything, living in a dream of what we think will make us happier, all very innocently obliviating the very thing that will, will bring us relief, which is staying exactly where we are. Just try it for a moment. Don't look ahead, don't look back. Just stay here for a moment. Use your body to call you here. It may hurt at first. 
may feel odd to have your mind so connected to your body. It may feel really strange and maybe almost disorienting not to be defined for a moment by your thoughts, defined by your relationships, your partners, your family, your history, to just be here in a state of lucid awareness. To actually be instead of do. But you'll find if you just come out of the tangle, as Ruby says, why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? Come out of the tangle of me thinking, fear thinking, and live in silence and flow down and down in ever-widening wings of being. If you really let yourself be, you'll feel that sense of intimacy with each other, with just life in general. It's back to nature. It's so natural and so easily missed. So if we keep at this, you will eventually develop a power that, that then sees with a lot more precision, a lot more, a lot more um, microscopic capacity to just um, see that who, in real time, that our chronic habit of self-referencing everything, everything about me, and everything about someone else, all of that selfing and othering starts to reveal itself as just another flow of ideas. And that we, and we see through the illusion of our separateness. And that's why the, the practice of mindfulness unleashes our compassion and love and feeling of, of care about this world and about each other instead of the opposite. Even in that seeing through the illusion of separateness, you, you realize that Donald Trump is not separate. Ted Cruz is not separate. And to the degree that we perceive, you know, on a relative level, it's separate. But to the degree that we just stay in that kind of dualistic fixation, where we're it's a state of tension, it's a state of it's our heart shuts down, our body goes into freeze. So I, I'm working on it right now. I'm just admitting my political persuasion. <laughs> I'm trying not to put these characters out of my heart. Trying to include them in my field of mindfulness. Trying to, trying not to let any, not put anyone or anything out of my heart. Because when I do, I fall into delusion. And when I fall into delusion, 
I get tense. And when I get tense, that pressure, that pressure stimulates a lot of discursive thinking. And the more discursive thinking I'm involved in, the more I enter virtual reality and the more I miss my life. And the more I miss my life, the less I can be a benefit. The less I love, the less present I am, the less skillful I am, the more mistakes I make with my mouth and my thoughts and my actions. So please be mindful. Thanks for listening. And uh, let's just, before we leave, always uh, we like to consider if we've had any taste of our interbeing and being together, we should consider that if there are any blessings, any goodness, any benefits, any fruits of us being together, that we, that we share it with everyone. We, and we share it with a wish that all beings, not just meditators, that all beings can learn about waking up and being mindful. And that all beings can be, have more happiness in their life and not be waiting for it, postponing it. That all beings can be free of suffering and the causes of suffering, which is lack of mindfulness, lack of virtue, confusion. And I wish that all beings can recognize the, the pure well-being and happiness that is available to us here and now, and never be separated from it. With a deep wish that all beings can, with that stability and continuity of present awareness, grow in serenity and equanimity, able to meet the inevitable joys and sorrows that come with being here. And finally, a dedication of our practice today and every day to the welfare and benefit of all. May all beings be free. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.